What's the good news for the day? You always have good news for us. I, you know, I do, and this is good and not so good news, but uh, yesterday I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, um, the, in the paper it said that the uh, coronavirus, uh, the numbers were going down in our region, and I thought, oh, what a celebration. That's the first time that we're trending downward. Then today... It was up again. <laughs> you but know, I, I think we just can't let down our guard. I think that's that's the message here, because yeah. once you do that, so yeah. it's just going to be, hang on, yeah. Yeah, well, it, here's the thing. I think we just can take time to, to say, uh, you know, we're doing a good job. We are wearing our masks. We're practicing social distancing. People are signing up for their vaccinations in droves. I mean, they want to get vaccinated. So that is the good news. I I think we're on top of this. Um, I'm really proud of our people in Minnesota. We just seem to respond to public health needs. You know, we did this with seatbelts. We did this with smoking. You know, when it comes to public health, I think we under, all understand that we have a, a role to play in that, and that's very important. So there's one more bit of good news that I read about. I read that Susan B. Anthony's picture is going to be on the $20 bill now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and this is, oh, not Susan B. Anthony, excuse me, Harriet Tubman. Okay, gotcha. Um, It's Harriet Tubman. And, you know, she was this brave woman who uh, worked as an Army nurse for the Union Army, and also she went in and rescued slaves hundreds of them and brought them to safety and then here's something in reading about her that i didn't know before do you know that she started a a laundry house and um women who had been in slavery she taught them how to uh wash clothes and how to support themselves by taking in laundry and that just getting them a start so hey about time we start recognizing some of these women that have done so much to change history. So that was great. That just cheered me up. And then, of course, yesterday's uh, paper, we learned that Mankato's going to get the Kern Bridge. Oh, I have seen so much positive uh, response on that. People are so excited that it's staying here in Mankato and that it's going to be connecting the Land of Memories to uh, Sibley Park. And so that'll be a great way to, to get across and and just enjoy the the, the river and, and incorporate it more into our, our environment. Yes, and you know, it's so historically significant. It actually is the longest existing bridge of its type right. uh, that we have now. It's a, it's a bowstring arch bridge, just a beautiful thing. And I happen to be one of those people that if there's a girder bridge or any or a covered bridge, I've always been in love with bridges, and I think it was because um, this. we lived in a, a little town um, for two years when we weren't on the farm, and we had a girder bridge, and we would sit up there uh, along the edge, and we would, my brother and I would fish. Just so much fun. So bridges have fond memories for me. And I absolutely love them. I guess it's going to be about 2024 before we actually see the bridge in place. But it is so 
worth waiting for. Just, it's so great. Yeah, we're very, very happy about that. And then, on a personal note, my seeds that I'd order <laughs> through the catalog came, and I opened them up immediately and inspected them, and I got exactly what I wanted, and I read the light requirements for each, and uh, when to plant and the days to germination, and and I'm all set on that count, too. Well, you so, mentioned seeds. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So many people on the gardening sites I'm on on the Facebook are wanting to start their seeds now, and I looked up the University of Minnesota's about when to start seeds, and it's still too early, but it says oh, late yeah. February or early March you can start impatiens, petunias, leeks, and onions. So that's, we're talking... February, early March, and then early to mid-March, they say cabbage, broccoli, cauliflower, and then mid-March, eggplant, okra, and peppers. And now early April, see, it's way too early to start your, your tomatoes because early April is when you want to start those. Tomatoes, kale, and leaf lettuce, if you start that ahead of time. And also then mid to late April, squash, melons, and cucumbers. So you know, just relax, look at the catalogs, enjoy looking at them and read about the, the things you need for them, like you said, with light. And I would, if you're starting seeds, get a seed heat mat. Before I had a heat mat, Barb, I just didn't have any luck at all. So that made the big difference for me. Plus overhead lights. Uh, you know, otherwise I just yeah. tried to do it in the window and they got so leggy and they would all tip and oh, yeah. You have to you know, spend a little... I, well, I have been starting seeds for so many years, I guess ever since I started gardening, and I have learned from experience that all the things I tried by putting my, uh, I used to put my uh, seeds on top of my refrigerator, and and then there was heat always coming off. Oh, you that. mean the, was, after you planted them, you put the the, the planted mm-hmm, seeds, okay, yeah. Me, yeah, my plants <laughs> and my seedlings, and uh, they would germinate. But, you know, as the refrigerators changed, they became more efficient. Right. That was, there wasn't nearly the heat up there that had, there had been originally. So I got a heat mat, too, and I found out that is the best thing. The soil has to be warm and stay warm. And then um, I would always put my, after the plants germinated, I'd put them in the south window. And I would make a... Um, a surround to put around them of tinfoil, which would reflect this. Oh. You know, they'd each have like a little kiosk there, and, and that would reflect the heat, and that was kind of their little mini environment. But I decided, too, that that really, that that was a lot of work, and, and it wasn't always, you know, we have those days where we don't have sunshine. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very reliable. And so then getting lights. First I started out, I had the white fluorescent lights, and now I have um, I have a, a new one, and it's a red. And I realize that the red light isn't as conducive to growing new growth, oh. but it has been really wonderful for setting buds on my plants that I brought in from outside. The geraniums absolutely love it, as do the the. I have a mandevilla that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, you know, it's a tropical plant, and it it um, is a climber, and it has climbed all over the area <laughs> and is loaded with blooms, and it's just been a real joy to see this winter. So uh, 
heat for starting plants and then plenty of good light. And also the seed starting mix. Don't use potting soil. Don't use garden soil. Use seed starting mix because it, it has to be clean so there's you know it's sterilized so there's nothing in it that's going to cause disease there's a disease called damping off which is basically a fungus and that's what we always used to get growing up when my mom would always start seeds inside well she would use dirt just from outside on the farm and so then she had read okay you need to sterilize it so I remember her taking a giant pan and putting it in the oven at 250 degrees to try and you know leave it in there for a while to try and sterilize this soil and it was just a big mess and it really didn't work and It's just worth putting a few extra bucks in to get seed starting mix to start your seeds because otherwise you're just going to waste your time and your money. I would would say that that would be a good thing to buy right now. Get that and get that on hand because when you want to start your seeds, you don't want to go to the store and find out that they're out. And um, I did transplant some things last week, some amaryllis. And what I did was I had the soil in my greenhouse oh my goodness it was so cold and so um, (laughs) if if you've had your soil outside before you try and put anything into it even if you're transplanting something bring it in the house and um, put it in a larger pan and warm it up for at least 24 hours you don't want to put anything into that really really cold soil so the other thing about starting seeds is and this is what our friend Harvey Hess used to say he always used a spray bottle, and when he got these seeds planted, to miss he them. would wet the seed yeah. with a spray bottle, and then after that, he would have them in a tray, and he would water from the bottom. So once the roots get going, they can they can take up the water that way. So uh, and warm the water; it's important. Don't put cold water. Don't put a cold water it's in a the house plants. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shock for it's, them. You know, it, it is. Yeah, it is. Yep, it is. And, you know, light, I I bought this plant. I don't know if I talked about this last week, but I bought a, a Dracaena. It was just an impromptu thing at the grocery store. And it was a, a Janet Craig and it's Compacata. And I thought, oh, this has got, and I'm looking for lots of foliage in plants these days. And I thought, oh, this is so nice. And so I put it in the south window, and um, I thought, oh, wow, this is drying out so fast. And then I read the instructions, the little label, and it said, not bright light, but moderate light. So I moved it out of there, and then it is supposed to dry out between waterings, which, you know, that's kind of a confusing term, too. When you talk about a house plant drying out, so how long? Does it dry out for a day or two, three days or so? You know, Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes this is just something you have to watch the plant and see how it's responding. So give it time, though, to to totally dry out to the bottom of the soil. And it's not so easy to figure out when when it's dry at the bottom. But if you put in good drainage in that pot, it will be that water should be draining right on through. And so if what's going on in the middle of the pot is probably what's going on at the bottom. But, you know, four or five days it's dried out. And then you water it thoroughly. Make sure that you dump any water out of the saucer that it's sitting in. 
and the plants are all set to go again. Dracaena, there are oh, just so many in that family of plants. It's an easy plant to grow. It's like the Sansevieria or snake plant that we grow. It, they seem to thrive on neglect if you just don't overwater them. And in this case, for this one, the Dracaena, it just needs moderate light. And we've talked about this before. One of the, the a big reason a lot of houseplants die is because of overwatering. People think there's something wrong with them, so they think, oh, I'll just give them more water. It's kind of too much love, essentially, too much attention. So, And the ZZ plant is another one that's a good one just to ignore, because my mom, she never, you know, she was almost blind, so she could hardly do anything, and that's the one plant that she was able to have in her uh, senior apartment, and it was in a corner, kind of, you know, not a lot of light, just some indirect light, and just ignored it, basically, and it it worked great. And see, that's the kind of houseplant. See, I'm not a houseplant person, as you know. I don't do well with them. So I'm better on the outside. <laughs> so I, I I try, but I just don't have the passion for indoors. And I don't know why, Barb, but it's just one of those things. Well, you know, it, it just, it really does take time. And it doesn't exactly call to you like it does in your garden where you walk around and you see these <laughs> things and you're outside in the sunlight and that. And there's a lot of things to do in the wintertime, too. One of the things I would say, uh, we're beginning, the days are getting longer, we're beginning to get more light. But, you know, you can still hold off fertilizing for a while yet. Right. Or, as Harvey always said, what he would do is he would fertilize, but he'd use half strength. And Or even a quarter strength in some cases, you know, just lightly start. Right. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, if you don't have any fertilizer and you're new to this, uh, don't worry about it. You really don't need to fertilize right now. And if you used uh, a potting soil that has a slow-release fertilizer in there, if you looked on the instructions, it probably told you how long that this slow-release fertilizer is going to be active. So you don't need to do that either. You might need to... some. You keep turning your plant um, so that it grows evenly on all sides. And I have been putting down my shades at night, and I've moved the plants back further from the window to protect them because there is a lot of cold Mm -hmm. and chill that comes off from the window. And most of these houseplants do not appreciate that. The only ones that would really do well would be things that grow on the desert. You know, at night on the desert, it gets very cold, and those plants do extremely well with that. And and then that brings them into bloom for you. So that would be the only one that it could tolerate maybe colder nights. But the rest of them, it may be cool, but not cold. So bear that in mind, too. So I have a question yeah. for you. Oh, I was going to ask you about... Yeah. I have those elephant bulbs, and they take a long time to break dormancy. So I started out one time with one, and then at the end of the year I had three, and at the end of, of this last season I ended up with like 20 or more that from all those different babies that I planted. And I'm wondering if I could put those in soil now in a warm place, not water them or anything, just to allow them to break dormancy um, because they take so long to break dormancy and actually come up. So what do you think about doing that for now since they're so slow you know uh, bulbs are interesting Karen it seems to be uh, you might have some of them that would break dormancy in a very short time and you might have some of them that don't it just seems to be 
um, how well they grew last summer and how much food they stored up, whether they're ready to stop resting and start growing again. So uh, I don't think you would hurt anything, but if they do start growing rapidly, you should have a plan for some place where you're going to maybe get more light for them or, or take care of them. You know, it's going to be a long time. Any kind of a tropical plant, um, I would say May 15th would be the earliest you could even think about putting them out. Oh, but yeah. Course, but I find that they take so long to actually break the dormancy because I've, I've put them in, you know, early before. And I'm thinking this year I want to do it even earlier, like now just but sure. don't water because they will get they will rot if you're you know get them water but they just need that i think that warmth to kind of generate like wake up time is how about cannas now they're a little smaller bulb the elephant bulbs are pretty big but what do you think about the canna lily bulbs because i've got lots of those too well i'm not going to do that until the until later Simply because in case I take a bit of a vacation here and my dear Mrs. J, she comes and waters for me (laughs) and I don't want her to have, you know, um, eight pots of cannas or something like that. But, you know, take a look at your schedule and see if you're going to be there so you're going to be able to keep them watered too. But cannas, I have found um, that I just plant them out directly. They seem to be so hardy. And once they get out in the soil, the soil is warm, uh, they take right off. And and that's been a good way for me to do that. Now, you know, I, I told you when I came home from Georgia, I brought three amaryllis bulbs with me, which I had started there. And they were so much bigger after having, you know, like uh, eight or nine months of growing weather versus about three here uh-huh, sure. outside. And, and they were so big, so I brought them home, bare root. I cut off the foliage on top. I put them in a brown bag, put them down in my cold room, and then I've just been kind of checking to see what's going on. To my surprise, two of them had shot up a flowering spike. So when that happens, you absolutely have to get them in a pot. So that's why I was warming. I had potting soil, and I was warming my potting soil and getting them in a perfect home for them. But the the uh, spike, it's it seems like it's bigger around than what my normal spikes are, and the and the bud on top, it's more elongated and it's it's fatter. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, how many flowers is gonna are there going to be in there? Are there going to be <laughs> three or four or five or whatever but stay tuned and we'll see how that happens so bulbs have kind of them they respond to the environment that they were raised in before they went dormant and and then they break dormancy when it's ready for them to survive they're just nature is wonderful you know the way it does that well i'm going to you know i don't want to get too early because then you you, you can have problems that way. You know, when I used to store all my bulbs in the, the house here in Mankato, our basement wasn't that cold. And th- by, you know, by spring, they would have some s- growth on them that sometimes was over a foot tall, and that was not the best thing. So now that I keep them at the lake house where it's like 45 or, or even less in the basement, they tend to, to stay cool and they don't sprout, which is good. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, um, 
uh, one of the things that I, I was also thinking about is um, I have a flowering crab, and it has so many water suckers on it, those sprouts, water sprouts that come out, and they have to be trimmed off. So as soon as the weather settles down and it's not quite so cold, on a Sunday afternoon, or any afternoon for that matter, uh, we're going to have to get a stepladder out when it's safe to do that and think about pruning them. That's the, the apple trees and the flowering crabs. These trees really do need to be pruned during the winter because anytime you have a cut on them in the summer, you're liable to get an infection in there that's tracked in by insects. So um, if you don't want to think about that yet, at least check out your tools. It may be that Sharpen um, them. They, yep. Yep. they need some sharpening, mm-hmm. you know, or oiling or, or whatever. And uh, and also, if you haven't replaced your stepladder, make sure that any time you climb on something, that it is good and it is sturdy and is going to um, hold your weight. So um, that's something you can do. But that is a, a job that for gardeners we have to be taking a look at. As a matter of fact, um, the uh, electrical lines behind our house, we've had uh, tree trimmers up here for the last week. And I see we had some up here again this morning. And and they're they're trimming the branches that go over the electrical lines. And uh, what a job for them. I, I went out and I talked to the one gentleman who was piling branches by the side of the road and I told him, you know, we really appreciate that because we don't want to be without electricity at right. any time. So, uh, yeah, so that's something you might think about. You might also think about if you've gotten um, your shrubs that have gotten too big. Um, if the shrub has flowers and they bloom on old wood, then don't think about pruning them until after they've bloomed. But now it would be like a lilac. They bloom on old wood. Don't prune them now. For sissias, lilac, uh, those sorts of things, right. Because if you prune them now, you won't have flowers in the spring. But, you know, a lot of the hydrangeas and a lot of the roses and and like that. So I've actually gone out in January and pruned things. Not this year, but I have in the past, sometimes in February and sometimes in March. But they like they say, you know, when it's dormant and definitely in winter, they're dormant. Sure, sure. That's that's exactly right. And uh, when you can get at your your shrub, you know, we actually I read we've had a total of twenty one inches of snow so far this winter. Oh. Now, all the fact that it has, um, you know, it has come and then it has melted and that, but it starts um, collecting, and then it's hard to see the real shape of uh, a shrub. So, um, don't just take a look at the top it's the whole plant the whole shrub that needs to be pruned and maybe taking out some of that old wood i had a huge job with my mock orange i kept shaping them but i hadn't taken out the old wood and i had um branches that were coming in there and stems that were coming in there that were just really so gnarly looking and old thick um, and I cut them out, and it was quite a job. But once I got them out, last year they just bloomed, and they were just absolutely beautiful. So think about that, too. If you've had those shrubs in for a number of years, 
you may need to get into the center of the plant and get rid of some of those old, old branches. Well, especially with like redwood, red twig dogwood is another one. A lot of times people don't wonder why, why aren't they producing those pretty red you know, branches like they used to when I first got it. Well, one thing you got to do is get rid of those old ones that are the, the that have gotten kind of old and brown or grayish and prune those out. And so the new ones can take over. So you'll continue to have nice red twigs. So that's another one that's a good one to, to prune out if you get some of that, what you call the old wood. Uh, I actually ended up uh, cutting down all of my lilacs because they just got to be too messy and they started shading too much. So I just took them all down, and sometimes if you have something like that, sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah, right. And then did you let them come back from the bottom? I did not. I decided I wanted to plant hostas because we have a a maple tree that we have in there. And, of course, when the the maple tree was very small, it was really fine. But now that the maple tree's gotten to a certain size, it's shading the the lilacs too much so the lilacs aren't really getting enough to have nice flowers so we're like well bye bye lilacs and I'm just planting hostas under there instead so it's a matter of a changing landscape sometimes requires a change in you know getting rid of things or putting new things in and and I don't know if uh, I don't have time to talk about it maybe next week because we're out of time but I started my landscape design class uh, this past Monday and uh, learned a lot of interesting things maybe we can share on on another show yeah Yes. Well, you know, one of the things that I just want to mention that I always enjoy this time of year is the St. Paul Winter Carnival. And that is going on now. And this year, they have at the state fairgrounds, they have the ice sculptures, and they're all lit. You can drive through with your car and see them, but you have to make a reservation. It's $20 for a carload of people to come no matter how many people are in your car and you can just find the number for that um, online you can go to um, St. Paul Winter Carnival Ice Sculptures and you'll find that there's a to to register to do that and they'll give you a time and tell you what to do so uh, a nice thing to do with your family. Thanks for bringing that up because it's always great to have something fun to do and, and get out of the house a little bit and be safe about it Yes, yes. Thank you, Barb. Well, thank you, Sarah. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and have a good week, okay? You too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Barb Lampson, our good friend. It is two minutes past 10. You're listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin online at KMSU.org. Broadcast